Welcome to the Ride With Us podcast, presented by the American Coaster Enthusiasts, the world's largest ride enthusiast organization dedicated to the appreciation, promotion, and preservation of roller coasters around the globe. So please keep your hands and feet inside the podcast at all times as we welcome your hosts, Jessica Gardner and John Davidson. Hello, enthusiasts. We are officially in the time of year where all the Halloween theme park events start. The sun goes down and the excitement creeps up with haunted mazes and scare zones popping up next to our favorite coasters and attractions. But did you know that back in 1973, it was Knott's Berry Farm who started this massive trend? While yes, other parks may have had pumpkins and candy and costumes, it was America's first theme park, Knott's Berry Farm in Buena Park, California, who had the idea for a scary Halloween haunt. 50 years later, in 2023, they are celebrating the golden anniversary of what is now known as Knott's Scary Farm, with maybe their biggest event yet. And I am going to dig in and unearth it all for you. Even if you don't live nearby and can't attend, I think you'll enjoy hearing about the history and what actually goes into planning an event like this. I'll be talking to the creative director, an attraction designer, a historian, an author. And while I was at the live Nightmares Revealed media event, I was able to grab some in-person interviews, and yes, you'll hear the background noise change a little bit, with an event producer, an entertainment producer and director, and a product buyer. Oh yeah, we're going deep. But to kick us off, I am excited to introduce you all to our first guest. He is the Corporate Director of Creative Development at Cedar Fair Entertainment Company, and he may know a thing or two about Not Scary Farm and theme parks in general. It's Ken Parks. Ken, thank you so much for talking to me today. Oh, Jessica, what an honor. And you were talking about one of my favorite topics ever, which is Not Scary Farm. So where are you from originally? Uh, born and raised in California. I'm in Charlotte now for the last two years in our corporate offices, our Cedar Fair's corporate offices in Charlotte. I grew up in the Central Valley of California, and so Knott's and Disney and Universal, uh, all of the SoCal parks were a big part of my growing up. And then I was lucky enough to get the chance to work at all three of those places in some capacity. What, but really? I, How did that yeah. happen? Well, I, you know, I uh, what happened is I became a performer at the world-famous Birdcage Theater at Knott's oh, yes. Farm doing the daily melodramas. From there, I ended up going to Disney and having a pretty long career at Disney for about 25 years. And as I was sort of ending that, someone asked, uh, I'd been a consultant for many, many years with Knott's. And so I was asked to take on the role of uh, vice president of entertainment at Knott's. So I was there from 2016 until 2021. And then I took on my new role as director of creative development here at uh, Cedar Fair. So I've been here for two years, but I've been connected to Scary Farm since my first going in 1986. Wow. And the first Scary Farm that I worked was in 94. And I've been just lucky to just kind of be a part of it since then. That's amazing. I have to tell you, Ken, I was 
researching you. <laughs> I was on LinkedIn, okay, okay, and looking at all of the amazing work that you've done. And I just have to fan out for a second. Oh, you have been a consultant and a writer and director on some amazing theme park shows. I mean, can you go over it a little bit? I mean, I know that there's a lot of people who would who would love to do a job like yours and I just I'd love to dig into it a little bit more. Sure. I I now forgive me because sometimes I forget about things and I'm always <laughs> sort of I really sort of compartmentalize things, meaning I'm always focused on the project that I'm working on at the moment. And so I sometimes forget that, you know, I will have a moment where someone will talk about something and I will say, oh, yeah, I worked on oh, that. Yeah, I did right? that. <laughs> Let's see. Well, with Disney, I was lucky enough to do a couple of fun things with Imagineering, some a lot of great fun play tests, especially Legends of Frontierland. And I was one of the writers on a show called The Great Moments in History with the Muppets that was at yes. Walt Disney World. And I worked on uh, Frozen Live as well as Aladdin at the Hyperion Theater in, at Disney's California Adventure and a long-running group called Laughing Stock Company that was in Frontierland at the Golden Horseshoe. And then at Knott's, I was part of the Birdcage Theater. And then I helped to work with a group to develop Ghost Town Alive for that park. Which and, won an award. Yeah. That, I yeah. mean, uh, what was that, 2018, the Thea Award, the Themed Entertainment we, Award? Yeah, we did. I think it was for immersive event or, or theatrical, maybe immersive theatrical event. Well-deserved. Uh, and, and now oh, that's an every year thing, you You've got to go it to is, it. And it's so much fun, a lot of work, but we have a great team at Knott's. And like most things that I've just listed off, it is, you know, it, certainly not just about me. It's so many people, of course. including Not Scary Farm, which has just always been about thousands and thousands of people over the years making, making it so great and wonderful. But can you explain something to me yeah. before we get more into Scary Farm? When it says something like, you were a writer for Star Wars Launch Bay. Like Star yeah. Wars Launch Bay, for those of you who don't know, was in where the old Carousel of Progress used to be at Disneyland. And it was sort of, you could walk around and see a bunch of different things and see characters. But when it says you were a writer, so what, what does that mean? I don't, I have to be careful with that. But uh, so I was lucky enough to work for the research and development groups and to work with some really awesome Imagineers there. And so LaunchBay at one point was really going to be seen as a way to test some of the things that we were working on. So I, there were a lot of projects that didn't quite make it into that facility, but I certainly worked on a lot of them. And some of them ended up making it into the land and some didn't and some became the star cruiser and long after i was gone from that right but all of the research that was done became those things but yeah i was a writer for a lot of interactions and things that uh, were supposed to uh, happen there that just didn't quite happen that's so cool and then some yeah. rides too like calico river rapids and Knott's yeah. fairy tales return to the fair can yes. you talk about that and working on yeah those? yeah so uh, while i was at uh, Knott's, i got the opportunity to create uh, a new version of um calico river rapids which when i was a kid was called bigfoot rapids and right. the disappointing thing was you never saw bigfoot uh, so <laughs> i got to right the wrongs of my childhood and put Bigfoot into the attraction. Oh, uh, that's but, the uh, dream. You know, that's the dream. As a kid, yeah. you're like, I wish I could see this. And then as an yeah. adult, you get to do it. <laughs> yeah. And then I loved Berry Tales so much as a, as a kid as well. And when we had an opportunity to do something in that facility, we had to use the same ride system and all of those things. So that was a bit of a challenge. 
But I was able to pitch and suggest and work on developing the story, the return to the fair. And it was really very wonderful because we contacted Chris Crump and used him as an advisor. And so he would then take things to Rolly and we got to hear Rolly's opinion and thoughts. And so it was just really a neat thing. But yeah, I have a a bit of all of that. You know, there's just, once again, it's those things where you kind of forget about some of that because it just, it's presented to you and you say, yeah, sure, I'll do that. That'd be fun to do. So I'm going to guess that in your life, every day is different. It is. Yeah. (laughs) It really is. But that's a blessing. What a blessing. So Uh, cool. Any advice that you would give to someone who would want to work like you have? Well, it seems really simple advice. When people ask that question, I say this, which is really get your hands into as many pots as possible, meaning really find out about everything and constantly be curious and try all kinds of things and be persistent. And then the other thing is just to get your stuff in on time and be pleasant to work with. And I found that by doing that, especially if there was a time crunch on a project, people were very happy to give a call because they knew I could get my stuff done quickly and then I wasn't trouble. (laughs) I love it. That's just great advice for anybody in any industry, really. Yeah, exactly right. But simple, simple advice, I think. All right, moving over to Scary Farm now. Okay, thank you. Yeah, that's cool. I can tell you don't love talking about your, your past, but I I just had to fangirl out for a second yeah, because so, nice. so many things that I've seen and uh, I just wanted to say. So yeah, you've done fun. amazing work. <laughs> oh, thank you. That's really but nice. I've been told I have to ask you first and foremost about the hanging. Okay. Yeah, Okay. <laughs> Well, I I mentioned the birdcage theater, and this goes back to the idea of making sure that you kind of get involved in as many things as possible. Uh, What happened is I worked there for a bit, and then after 43 years, the park decided, oh, well, we should need to close the theater. And so it left a lot of us without any kind of work. And I hadn't hadn't even thought about it beyond that. I was sort of like, oh, I'll just do this until the end of time. And uh, so when that happened, that's what made me think, okay, I really should be involved in as many things as possible. So if this ever happens again, uh, I'll always have something. And so I went in after that had happened and kind of said to the folks at Knott's, I'd be happy to write a saloon show or a a stunt show or whatever you might have uh, available. I'm I'm available. And I, I don't know that I was any good at it, but I just thought, well, I'll I'll try it. And so they had something, they kind of said, okay, well, let's try you at this. And so I wrote a couple of summer shows for them. And then eventually going into the fall, they kind of said, well, we have the hanging and it's this stunt show. And I was well aware of it. And I was like, yeah, I'd be happy to write that. And they said, yeah, we'd like you to direct it too. And so that happened in 2000 for me. And then I wrote and directed the show up until 2019 or, you know, was in some capacity with it until 2019. And then I have been lucky enough to work with Jeff Tucker this year to bring it back. So So cool. For someone who doesn't know what the hanging is, how would you describe it to them? Yeah, well, in its current form, and it's been in this form for many, many years, but it's a, it's sort of a pop culture review of the past years with the most obnoxious and vilest of, of pop culture or uh, social media offenders being walked to the gallows and punished. 
Oh, dear. <laughs> so there's, but there's lots of stunts and pyrotechnics and a lot of blood, lots of blood packs. And, you know, it's a little bit, it's very naughty for Knott's Berry Farm. Okay. That's the thing that's really fun about it is that we have the daytime family entertainment. And then we're allowed to be a little naughtier at night because it's a separate ticket to go into Scary Farm. And so we take advantage of that. Well, I'm excited. This will be my first time seeing oh, it this great. year, if you can believe that. Even yeah. though I've been a long time Knott's fan, I, for whatever yeah. reason, the hanging has always eluded me. When the, it was announced at Nightmares Revealed that this was going to be coming back, the crowd exploded. It was so exciting. All yeah. around, everyone was like, yes, finally. So uh, yeah, I guess it left and now it's it's back by popular demand. Yeah, it sort of had a period where I think it was always kind of edgy and it's always been an equal opportunity offender. And uh, (laughs) just kind of we got into a little bit of a time there with society where people were a little more easily offended than than possible. And then as we got to the 50th, I think our leadership sort of said, well, why don't why don't we own that? I mean, meaning why don't we just yes, it's offensive. So I guess part of it is it's moving from its location. It's moving. It used to be out in the the square of Calico and over on the mine stage for a while. And so it was really out there and and exposed. And so this year it's moving into the Wagon Camp Theater, which is enclosed. And so you will know if, you know, you're walking in there that and you you'll have been warned and that will be on you (laughs) at that point to decide. And then the audience will get to sit down for the first time, which is very, they used to have to stand in the square. Yeah, I I do too, having stood out there many years. So, (laughs) uh, so that'll be great. That's amazing. So you were the vice president of not so I'm only up until a couple years ago. So how involved have you been in uh, Knott's 50th? Because I've got to think that the planning has been, or at least being talked about for a little while. It has, it, it has. And I was the vice president of entertainment. Entertainment, uh, excuse me. Yeah, and all good. But Knott's Scary Farm is really seen as an entertainment. It's a park-wide event, but entertainment is at the forefront with the design of the mazes and the scare zones and the shows. And so when I moved into my new position, I am the uh, development director for all things creative. And so I have the great pleasure of working with the same team that I worked with out at Knott's to help develop what the 50th would be. And so we've been looking at all of the things that you, that, you know, as you think back as a fan, what you would want to see, what you would want to celebrate. And then also, you know, having to create something that works for those who aren't fans and maybe going for the very first time. So they don't feel excluded, but they also, you know, uh, fall in love with the event the way we do. So where do you even begin in trying to figure out what what the 50th looks like? Is it is it people sitting in a room and saying what all their favorite things were? Is it coming up with the designs? Is it conversations? Is it all, is it everything? It's a little bit of of all of that. But the one thing that the event has always been is that um, it has always had fans who have um been vocal been very vocal <laughs> yeah they also, have, they also and and when i say they i mean me too we've also discovered it all together and it and it's always been this event that things sprung up from it very organically 
So if you look at some of the the main characters that are now such a part of the the lore of Scary Farm, whether it be the Green Witch or the Bride or even the Conductor, they're characters that the guests, you know, uh, they were uh, out on the street at one point, but they were never placed out there with the idea of, oh, the guests will, you know, everyone will think this is an icon and and fall instantly in love. It wasn't that. It was that the fans really found those characters, really liked them, and they were just developed over the years. So the fans have been really at the forefront of deciding everything for us, right? We just, we constantly are listening to our fans. And so we knew as you plan this event that there were certain things that you ask yourself, well, if I were going to the 50th, which I am, but if I were going, what would I want to see? And does what I want to see, does that represent what everyone would want to see? And it's hard. That's hard. You'll never, yeah. you'll, there's a lot to cover there and you'll never get everything for everyone. But as you listen to what people want, a couple of things always come to the forefront that you're asked about or that they talk about. Uh, such and, as? Uh, well, such as the gauntlet uh, scare zone. So mm-hmm. the gauntlet was the second scare zone at Not Scary Farm. They had ghost town streets, and then the gauntlet represented the extension of the the event. And now, these days, the event is park-wide, and I always like to say that the the event and the park sort of became the attraction at that event, meaning you don't just go to a theme park and there are haunted attractions. The entire park is really the attraction or the event. But early on, that was not the case. And so the gauntlet uh, was the second scare zone. And so we knew we had to bring that back in a new fashion and for an audience for today. And so that's happening. The hanging, which we've talked about, we knew that people, and I guess we got that one right because you were saying they were very excited by it. Oh my goodness. Uh, It was probably the biggest cheer of the night, I think. Yeah. Well, I think they teased it. We've been teasing it for a couple of weeks as well. And I think uh, we were asked about it when we did a panel at Midsummer Screen uh, this uh, summer in Long Beach. And that was the question, is it coming back? And we sort of hinted at it there. And then, you, you know, they conveniently placed it very last and almost (laughs) as if they'd forgotten about it. And uh, so I think we knew there would be a response to it. I just don't know that we knew people would be that excited, which is great. That's so awesome. Uh, Things like Dr. Cleaver and the Birdcage Theater is coming back. And then we're, we're paying tribute to a lot of our past through the mazes. We've got some really clever uh, mazes that have been developed this year that pay uh, tribute to the past, but you also don't have to know anything about the past to enjoy them and find them scary and creepy. We have a 50th maze, and we've introduced a new character based on a Sinister Seymour, who started the event called The Keeper. And so there's an opportunity to go into what's called the Chilling Chambers, which was a, a tribute to the first maze that was ever at Not Scary Farm. And so this is a look back at all of these different mazes and scare zones throughout Not Scary Farm history. It's all within one maze. We call them mazes as opposed to haunted houses. And then we've got another maze this year that's really fun called Cinema Slasher. And it's like walking into the a movie screen. But the movies are based on these past mazes that we've had at Scary Farm. So Oh, nice. So that's, you know, another way to nod to the past, but you don't have to have been there or known about it to still Absolutely, be right? excited the, for it. Yeah, the phrase, if you know, you know, 
Uh, That's one of my great. favorites. <laughs> yeah, yeah. We're doing all kinds of things. You know, the decor uh, package is going to be uh, bigger than it has ever been. There's some interactive pieces that are happening with our uh, interactive lantern. And then uh, we're. Yes. Bringing... Can we talk about that a little bit more? Yeah, of course. So those interactive lanterns are something that you can buy, which, by the way, are also just like cute Halloween decor that you can take yeah. home. But my understanding is it's like a glow with the show type of thing. It does that. It's so it's based on the character we talked about a little bit earlier called the conductor. And so the conductor over the years has been given this backstory of being able with his lantern to actually see all of the terrifying lands and zones that you experience. So he has used this lantern for years to kind of cast a glow so that it allows us to see them. This year, in honor of the 50th, we've developed his lantern that is an interactive piece. So it will allow you to walk around the park and interact with the decor and the shows and the mazes. It does all kinds of different uh, things. You might walk into a maze and it will shut off the lights in the area that you are in. It changes colors when it senses something scary in one area. It, it does a lot of cool uh, things. Gus Kruger is working on it with Scott Erickson at Not Scary Farm. So they're really developing it. But when we talked about it early on, it's been in development for a couple of years. But when we uh, talked about it early on, we had things that we thought it would be fun if it could do. And one of the things I thought it would be great is if you bought it and then six months later, it began screaming in your home. Oh, no. I thought that would be... <laughs> Super fun, but we, no. we unfortunately couldn't make that happen. But I just thought, I'm okay with that. I'm alright. Yeah, with I that. think I'm, most people probably are. I just thought, boy, wouldn't that be great? Because you know, six months into this, you'll have put it in, a, you know, a drawer somewhere, and then to just have it uh, scream at the halfway point to Halloween would be really fun. You're halfway but, uh, there. Yeah. Anyway, I think there should be a uh, really fun, and, and really, it's. It's an opportunity for us to explore new ways to connect the audience and make them feel more immersed and give more things to do at the event. We're, you know, we love the idea that you can't see it all in one night. Yeah. And, and so that you'll want to come back. And so this is part of that. And, and that really is sort of, um, it really opens the gate for us to try other things. But we've always been, as an event, we've never been afraid to try things. And we've done all kinds of houses and mazes and and really innovative things that we just always have felt you know that it was okay to try and a lot of them have just been so successful and then you see them sort of repeated throughout the industry so kudos to so many talented people over the years that have been a part of not scary farm seriously there have yeah. been so many things that i can think of that started at knots that yeah. that have gone to other places it's crazy for me to hear you say that there's going to be even more decor this year. I have to tell you that that first time that I ever went to Scary Farm, I had not been to Knott's during the day. I went to yeah. the Scary Farm event first. And I have to say that when I went back to Knott's, I was shocked that it was the same park. <laughs> I was yeah. looking around and I was like, oh, this park is really cute. This is so adorable. Uh, I didn't grow up here. I'm from the East Coast. So I had moved out to Southern California, went to Scary Farm. And I literally didn't, couldn't tell you where anything was. It was, it was like I had been to two completely different parks. So to hear that there's going to be even more Oh, no. Yeah, yeah the, I think, it, you know, that's a great way of expressing that because it really does feel 
I'm so happy that there's a separate gate for it because it really does take on this other personality. And I, we use all of the creepiness of ghost town and those things in the dark to our benefit. But there's so many wonderful things over the years, and we still do a lot of them that uh, there's a skull that gets placed on the top of the, sorry, a light up skull. The eyes light up on, and we place it on top of the log ride. And we uh, decor those rides. We kind of make them attractions that you can experience both day and night. But if you look at the mine ride, it has a daytime version. And then at night, we are able to, through a show control system, change the programming of the show and make it creepy and scary. So there's so many wonderful things. But Jeff Shattuck, who is the head of our decor department at Not Scary Farm, has really put together a wonderful package. And like most of us, he started at Scary Farm and had, just has a deep love for it. And so it really will show. And then the thing that we're so excited about is that the event started with the peak-ins, which are these buildings that are a part of the buildings that are in Ghost Town. And you used to kind of peek into them and you would see these mannequins depicting Western life. Sure. And then for Scary Farm, they decided uh, when in the early days, well, why don't we put masks on them and decorate them scary. And that was really kind of the first attraction for Scary Farm. And then they would put live actors or live monsters in them. And so we're bringing those back. They'll all be decorated for Scary Farm so you can go in and peek into them and then your lantern will interact with them Ooh. as well. So, yeah. Yeah, I got to get a lantern. <laughs> that seals yeah. it for me. <laughs> yeah, really cute. I knew I was going to get one anyway, but yeah. now I really need one. Yeah. Looking back, what do you have? This might be a hard question to answer. A favorite maze, maybe one that you worked on and one that you didn't work on, like one you saw as a fan? Yeah, well, one that I really love, and it's been fairly recent, is Origins. Yeah. Uh, and I really love that maze. And I like what we were trying to do there, and we accomplished it. But I had said to the team that it would be fun to create a living or, a well, I guess an, an unliving land where the maze and the scare zone and the shows were all connected, right? So they're all within the same universe and they're all telling the same story. They may be telling it at different points in the story, uh, but it would be great to connect them that way. And so originally we had thought about that for the Goring 20s, which we're also kind of doing some of that with uh, this year, but, but we were able to do it in Ghost Town. We were able to connect the scare zone to this wonderful maze that John Cook and Ted Doherty alongside the Knotts uh, production team put together. And then the hanging that year was also connected to that story as well. So that's probably my, uh, one of the favorite projects um, that uh, we've done recently. Uh, the other one that I really loved was we had a maze called Trick or Treat that was a fan favorite. And it was about, we don't really keep the mazes longer than maybe three or four years, but this was going on five years and we had to bring it back again because uh, our budget wouldn't allow us to take it away. Uh, but John Cook and I thought about it and what could we do? And John suggested these interactive flashlights that you would take through this maze. So we came up with this concept of the idea of why don't we clear out all of the talent in the first four rooms of the maze? And the story is that you're the neighborhood kids that have been dared to go into the haunted house down the street, and you're only armed with a flashlight. 
And so what the guests didn't know is that not only was the flashlight emitting a, a light beam and not only was it programmed to go out when we wanted it to or to flicker or to turn into a UV light, but it also was emitting, it was emitting a signal that would trigger things within the empty rooms. So it was a little like a bit of a shooting gallery, but you didn't know you were doing it. And so as you looked around, things would go bump in the night because you were triggering them, but the audience had no clue they were doing that. And so that I really, really loved. And I had one of the biggest scares ever for myself at Scary Farm. We did a walkthrough to test the <laughs> equipment and it was really creepy. I mean, to be in this dark room with just this flashlight and I set a couple of the things off that I, I knew were there, but it didn't matter. I was so scared and I just uh, probably said some things that the team was shocked, <laughs> shocked to hear me say but it really we've was, all been there. Really, we've all been oh, there. Oh yeah, but really... that's funny that you helped put it together, and it still scared you. I think that speaks volumes. Oh yeah, I'm <laughs> such a I'm such a kid with that. I've never lost the 13 year olds in myself, and so I just was so excited by that, and was so happy to be that scared because I just knew what it what was going to happen for the guests. So it was so thrilling. That's amazing. Well, what it, what is the number one thing? that you want to let us know about this year? Well, I, I hope everyone will come and have just a wonderful time. And really, I just think there are so many loving tributes to Scary Farm. And I just hope that you find the heart in it, right? There's so much, there's so many people who really care about this event and have made it just wonderful over the years and including or I should say, and not excluding the fans, right? They have really loved the event and have made it what it is. And we've just had so many wonderful designers and creators and monster talent. And the one thing I will say about all of it is I have made so many lifelong friends from Scary Farm. And just because of that event, it's really a life-changing event. And anyway, I hope everybody just goes and knows that it, all of it has been created out of a love for what it is, for Halloween, for Not Scary Farm. Yeah. That's clearly evident in all parts of it, from the mazes to the shows to even the food and the merch, yeah. everything. You've clearly all listened to the fans and listen to the people who loved it, but also are aware that there are people coming for the very first time, potentially, or children or teenagers coming, and and this is going to be part of their future, hopefully. Well, that's the fun thing about it. It has always been seen, especially in Southern California, as kind of a rite of passage. That you know, when you got to a certain age, you could you were old enough now to go to not scary farm. And uh, I have an eleven year old son who. Um, although we live in Charlotte, is letting me know what his timeline is uh, for when he will be going to Scary Farm. So he <laughs> tells me that, you know, you know, in two years, I think I'll okay. be going to Scary Farm. And I'm so, well, that's Great. good that he's aware we'll of it, there. that he knows. Yeah, knows yeah exactly. exactly. <laughs> and what about, let's talk about Cedar Fair overall, because now your title is Corporate Director of Creative Development, and there are exciting Halloween events happening all over the country. Am I right? Absolutely. Uh, yeah, we have 13 uh, parks, and they all have, have been touched by Halloween each and every year. Some of them do uh, events that are scary events, like Not Scary Farm, and then some of them do family-friendly events. 
And then some of them do a combination of both. For instance, Cedar Point has hollow weekends and they have entertainment for the families. And then at a certain time in the evening, it gets a little scary. And so they shift over into a haunted event. But lots of great things happening so at all of our Cedar Fair parks uh, for the Halloween season. And then after Halloween, it's, you know, they have about a a week or two to turn it around and everything becomes Christmas. And we do Winterfest and Knott's Merry Farm. And uh, and so there's always something to do at one of our parks during the season. And then we are really, as a company, leaning into story as a design tool. And so we have, in the past two years, have opened quite a few new lands. We refurbished some of our lands and added more story to them. And then we've even done that for, we've regained a, a theme at Worlds of Fun that was there. We kind of have leaned back into that. So Worlds of Fun regained its theme as a park this past year, but a lot of cool projects. Aeronautica opened here. I was Karen just going to say, we just were there for CoasterCon, uh, we American Coaster Enthusiasts. And wow, that Aeronautica landing phenomenal. Clayton Lawrence showing us yeah. around there. Wow. What a great job with that area of the park. So oh, if, there, yeah, if there's well, more of that coming, we love it. Yeah, that happened. Uh, uh, Kings Island got Adventure Port. Knott's Berry Farm got a refurbishment of Fiesta Village, which oh, was so good. Lovely. And the boardwalk opened at uh, Cedar Point. And then I'm sure there are more that I can't even remember that we've done. But but the exciting thing is, as a company, we're listening to people. And really, they want uh, all of the thrills and all of the excitement, but they also want the experience. They want to be ca- carried away a little bit and sense transported and go somewhere else uh, for a little while with their family. So that's the that dream. Happens. That's yeah. why we love it. We love a good theme. We love yeah. the theme part yeah. uh, and the story yeah. of it all. That's so great to hear you say. Uh, I'm really excited for that and excited that there are events coming for people who live in areas that their coasters will close down for a little while. There are still events happening. So make sure you check out online for your local park of what's going on there, because clearly Cedar Fair is still bringing the entertainment year round. So that's wonderful. Ken, thank you so much for talking to us today. I appreciate you taking the time and I am so looking forward to attending Not Scary Farm 50th. Oh yeah, thank you. Thank you for uh, inviting me and you'll have to let me know how it goes. I will, I definitely will. Thank you. This year, Not Scary Farm has 10 mazes, including three all new ones. Here to tell me about them and about how they are created is someone who knows a lot about bringing attractions to life. Please welcome owner and creative director of Plague Productions, John Cook. John, how are you today? I'm doing awesome. This is a great intro. <laughs> Thanks. Yeah, thank you. <laughs> Do my research. <laughs> John, where are you from originally? So I was uh, born and raised in, in Southern California, and I am now based out of Savannah, Georgia. Oh, so you're all the way across the country. I am, yep. Do you yep. travel back to Southern California a lot? I do. Um, yeah, I feel like, uh, I, I, even though I moved, I feel like I still haven't quite moved because I'm out there so much. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, but it's nice. It's nice to uh, to be able to, to, I guess, go and travel to the workplace and then be able to be completely removed from the workplace. You know, it's kind of a... <laughs> kind of a uh, double-edged sword there, but it's, it's you've nice. got some you've got some good theme parks out there in Georgia. <laughs> yeah, not where I in Savannah, not not too much, but Savannah uh, is uh, known as you know one of the the country's most haunted places. So Ooh, it's, perfect. Uh, 
it's a great place for a, for a haunted attraction designer like myself. So you got a lot of inspiration in Savannah. A lot of inspiration. Yeah, it's a beautiful, beautiful city. I tell everybody it's like the the real life uh, New Orleans Square at Disneyland is how it feels. Oh, that is yeah. very visual. I love it. Yeah. <laughs> so what got you into theme parks in general? Um, so long story short, I guess, uh, I spent like the majority, pretty much all my 20s uh, in a band playing uh, playing music. And um, we were traveling quite a bit uh, throughout there. And there was one, one time I was home um, and it happened to just line up perfectly with Halloween. And I had some friends that worked down at Not Scary Farm, and I thought, oh, that could be a fun thing to try. Um, and so I went and tried it and never left, you know, and that was, man, 18 years ago now. Wow. So I think, uh, I, I, you know, I, I wasn't really a huge theme park and or haunted house person before that. You know, of course, growing up in Southern California, we have so many great parks and great events. Um, so I've always been around it and, and enjoyed visiting but that was really my my gateway into being uh i guess being a, a theme park person and i guess it had a big effect on you it de yeah no it did it re you know, I, I was just really captivated by like the magic of the behind the scenes production you know whether whether it was the, the character training the you know special effects makeup the set design set construction i just really it was like really amazing to see all these different people all moving towards that same goal. And it was just something that I felt I gravitated towards and really wanted to be a part of. So what was your first job in a theme park? My first job in a theme park was a uh, set carpenter. Okay. And that was at Knott's? That was at Knott's uh, 2005, I think. Okay. It was my first year. I got a job as a carpenter. I actually first applied to be a scare actor and I was turned away. What? So, haha, all these years later, you know. <laughs> but, uh, but at the Big time. Big mistake. Huge. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, so you can't, can't really, you never know. So, um, but yeah, so I got turned away and I really, but I really wanted to be a part of it. So I got a job as a carpenter. I had, I had some construction uh, uh, experience at the time. So I took that job and put on my fancy uh, Knott's Berry Farm uniform. Then I walked right back into that employment center and said, oh, yeah, they sent me over here to get a job as a scare actor. And so they, they put me into a maze. So that's Wait, how you I, lied to get the job? A little bit of a white lie. I, 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 I uh, consider it being creative. You creatively, you already know me. Yeah. <laughs> I can scare people. Trust me. Yeah. So that, that first year, that was I did both. I, I did uh, uh, construction on the mazes, and then I transferred into being an actor that year. And how long were you a scare actor? Yeah, I think I did it total for about eight years, I think. Okay. And then what happened next? I have to... We have a lot of listeners who <laughs> are interested in working in this industry, so I'm trying to figure out the transition. Yeah. And I, you know, I have a very non-conventional story. I didn't go to school for any of this. Um, or really, I, I learned just from from experience in YouTube mostly. But, really? Uh, so yeah, no 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 traditional uh, education on it at all. Um, but I so from there as as I was a carpenter, and then I remember one year during during um, you know the the setup of Scary Farm, seeing this like ragtag department, and they were like carrying like dead bodies across the park. And I'm like, whoa, what is that? What team is that? Fake dead then, bodies, fake, fake dead bodies, just fake be clear. Bodies, yeah, as far as we know. But uh, they uh, ended up being the props department. So the next year I transferred into the props department. And I think that was like really my first, um, 
my first glimpse at like a little bit of design because when you're in props you kind of get to lay out the rooms and you get to you know i do the different layering of set dressing and prop making and all that stuff and I, so I, I got into that and i really enjoyed it um and then i was in that for a couple of years and then i had the the idea for uh special ops infected the which which went on to be the laser tag zombie apocalypse yes. uh, experience for for those who are familiar and um i pitched it to the director of entertainment at the time uh, her name was laura hanneman and she said i love it uh but you have to you have to put it together and i was like whoa i was like i don't know how to do that so um i really credit a lot of my start to her you know she she saw something in me and gave me the tools to to learn and she gave me the room to 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 make mistakes and be able to learn from it so um that was my first uh, my first experience as a designer ever was designing special ops infected with zero design experience wow well shout out to laura for yes. for recognizing that in you and giving you that space so what is that what does that actually look like how, how do you do that did you sit down is it like blueprints or is it like a pitch packet or what, so what does I, it look like I, I think my first well the first uh my first thing i did was i did a small scale version of it at a paintball field um what? and we kind of experimented with it there you set up like an actual like with your friends or you just like yeah, did it pretty what? much yep yeah we did that uh and then uh, we had a couple people from knots that came out and they had a really good time with it so i had a couple people in my corner that were that were also telling laura like hey this this could be a really cool cool thing for knots and you know laura was really great at, at really um taking chances and, and doing things outside of the box um and that was that was one of them right it was with special ops and in fact it was definitely an outside of the box idea at the time uh, for a standard haunted attraction. So yeah, we did that little mock-up run. And then the next year, uh, you know, she, I would, I would go work, you know, half my shift in the props department. And then I would go over to the design office and I had like the little, little desk in the corner with a machine that could barely operate. And I learned, uh, I learned how to use the program Vectorworks for all my uh, designing and drafting and 3d modeling and uh, Photoshop. Once it was another program I had never touched before, before this. Wow. And uh, yeah, so I just kind of developed as we go. And I, it's funny, I actually came across that that design packet from uh, that first year. And all these years later, looking at it, I'm like, oh, my God, like those poor builders probably wanted to murder me. <laughs> Why? <laughs> Why? Is it... just, because, you know, I, I, I was uh, figuring it out and I had never done any kind of elevations before. So I was putting together these these rough design elevations that these poor guys had to try and build off of <laughs> it was like what do you missing. mean elevations i don't oh I'm so not it's like uh for um what we do in a design packet for a maze is is anything that we we need to have built we have to we have to provide an elevation for it so it, it's a page that has a front view a side view and a plan view and it has, it's all to scale and has all the measurements and it has all the call outs of materials um so it's really you give it to somebody inside of a scene shop you know a carpenter and they can look at it and know exactly what they're building and how they're going to build it Wow, I'm just so impressed by, I mean, talk about someone who, I mean, I was saying if you have listeners that are interested in work, I mean, you did this, you proved yourself, you said, I have this idea, I'm going to show you, you're going to actually be able to physically walk through something to get an idea. Yeah, I mean, and, and there's probably easier way to do it. <laughs> <laughs> there might be. <laughs> however, however, you know, for me, for me, that's just, that was, I just, I have that, like, uh, I guess, I'll, I'll, let me preface this. It's a healthy 
uh, obsessive <laughs> trait, you know, where if I get an idea, like I need to see it through or I need to at least try it. Uh, I've done that a few times in my life. I went on and opened my own escape room business and all these things. It's like, if I get this idea stuck in my head, I, I need to explore it until it, until it either takes off or dies essentially. So wow. that's where that came from with me, with the, with this special ops infected. Like I just saw a great potential in it and really wanted to see it through. So that was the first one. Correct. And then what happened after that? That was obviously a huge success. Yep. So that was a big success. And then at, right after that one, um, I got moved over full time into the, into the design department there, entertainment design and took on my next uh, project, which was paranormal Inc. For, yes. for the not scary mm -hmm. farm fans there. That was the second maze I got to work on. Um, as well as I, you know, they had me kind of going through some of the older mazes and punching those up a little bit. I got to work on uh, Voodoo, ended up doing Trick or Treat Lights Out, which was a really fun one to work on. Um, as well as just other park offerings. Um, Voyage to the Iron Reef was a, a new dark ride uh, at the time. The, the right, this was after uh, Kingdom of the Dinosaurs before Berry Tales, right? Correct, yep. So I got to do a little bit of the, of, of the like physical set design for that, which was really fun. Um, the Wild West stunt show was uh, was cool just because growing up at in California going to Knott's like that was always such a memorable uh, you know part of that uh, park for me was the Wild West stunt show so it was really neat getting to work on that um, so yeah that's kind of just went wow. from there. You've been involved in a lot with Knott's yes. <laughs> oh my goodness I guess I should ask first about Plague Productions so how uh, did Plague Productions come about? So funny just quick quick little funny story here about plague the name plague productions so i was in a band called winds of plague and then because of that then i had okay you keep talking about this band what did you play yeah. in the band i oh, have to I, know i didn't play anything i just kind of yelled a lot i would say you were the singer you were yeah. the lead singer okay uh, so, so I, the lead I, screamer got yes. it okay <laughs> uh, so, so i did that and then because of that everybody at when i was a monster at knots everybody you know you don't call each other by your names when you're working so everybody just started calling me plague and then i'm like oh so then when i had to like start this company to be able to, to, I guess, uh, start, you know, contracting, I was like, Oh, plague productions. So that's kind of that where that evolved from. So it was actually like my haunt name when I was, uh, a uh -huh. I love uh, it. Um, but anyways, I guess, uh, you know, I worked at knots for such a long time. Um, I learned a lot. It, it's, it was always home to me, but I, I definitely had this urge to go out and, and try and do other things as well. Um, so that's where we formulated the, the Plague Productions name. And it really started off, we were doing a lot of like music video production sets and stuff. And and then uh, and then I also used that same thing to contract back to Knots. So my first my first uh, project uh, as a contractor for Knots was the uh, the Depths. Yes, the first one I love the Depths. Thank you. Um, when the I'll, first time I saw the Depths and I was just so in awe when I walked into that one room and was trying to figure out how it felt like I was in water. Oh. <laughs> I thought that was so cool. Spec yeah, that, you know, that's my, I guess my, my approach to design is to, to always have these moments of spectacle. And I thought that was a pretty cool one. Definitely. Yeah. And then uh, worked on a, a lot of really cool projects uh, outside of Knots, but also have continued to to work with Knotts and develop this um, this great relationship with them, and you you mentioned Ken Parks. You know he was he was my boss at the time at Knotts as the the VP of Entertainment, and then he moved on to corporate, and we have been lucky enough to continue working with him. So not only at, at Knotts but Cedar Cedar Fair company wide at all the parks. 
Nice. So you're a contractor. So how does that work? So they hire you for special events or for for your ideas or do you pitch? How, how does that work? Yeah. So uh, we're, we're speaking about the 50th specifically. We got we got um, brought in probably about a year and a half ago now. Uh, and, and it was just the initial kind of blue sky uh, conversations of like we, we got hired essentially to, to provide them about six ideas that were not mazes essentially. Like we want to, we want you guys to come up with six different concepts that are revenue generating. That is not a traditional walkthrough experience. Oh. So that's, okay. uh, yeah. And, and what came out of that, uh, one of the ideas was this legacy store that is now open and seems to be thriving, which is awesome. Yeah. And then additionally, we were also brought in to help, um, develop, design uh two uh of the new attractions this year as well which two the two are cinema slasher and the chilling chambers are the two new mazes that's very exciting how so looking at not scary farm 50 is how do you honor the past and tell a story and still make it exciting and modern and something new and that's uh that's definitely I'm not, I'm not going to say the challenge because I feel like as huge haunt fans and huge haunt nerds, it came pretty effortlessly to find to, to walk that line. But that was definitely our mission, right? We want to do something that completely embraces and honors the past and the people that came before us and, and, and created this great pathway to where we are now, but also continuing to keep our eyes set on the future, uh, pushing boundaries, pushing the bar, and living in that world of innovation. Um, and that's that's what we tried to do in the designs, uh, and I think really like the legacy store is a good example. Um, if you you can go in there and experience and enjoy that store, whether you're a diehard not scary farm fan or you've never been to the event, period. So that that's the way we're always trying to look at it. We want to appeal to both the diehards that want to take that deep dive, and then just the the average guest that just wants to come and have a good time. The process of designing something like this, is it still the same way that it was in doing your very first maze? Is it, do you use still vector, whatever you Vector-ers, call it? Vector works, yeah. You know, yeah, some, some things, some things uh, change and some things stay the same. Uh, I think for me, the the approach and the process and, you know, just the, the thoughts behind it all seem to always be evolving. We always, once we always think we have a good process in place, we seem to tweak it year after year. But, um, but then once again, it's like the, the tried and true elements of not scary farm mazes that we all love, it has remained the same kind of the, the same, the same, um, I guess, uh, approach that they used to mazes. There's certain things that we still use today, I would say. I mean, you can get technical with us. I have, I've got some <laughs> nerds who listen. They they would love to know. Um, so the one, I guess, one thing that I learned coming into it was just the the way to lay out uh, attractions in general, and and I'm you know, and you can get all the way down to it with the the um, egress pathways and and making sure this that is all this is is ADA compliant. Um, right. But really, when when we start with a, a, a plan in Vectorworks, you know, we're, we we start with, I guess, it, in the program, it lays out four inches by four foot little rectangles. And it's very much like Tetris. And we pretty much lay out the entire maze with just that shape. And that way, once we move into the, the 
the uh, deeper into the design, everything's kind of landing around those four foot lengths. And it just makes everything a lot easier for the build process because as we know, a sheet of plywood comes in four foot widths. So that's kind of the way, That's that was one strategy that was used when I first started and one that we, we still use um, today with all of our attractions is kind of using that measurement to, to kind of flush everything out, Tetris, Tetris out the, the initial layout. Wow. How long does this process take from conceptualizing to finish? Um, well, it kind of takes as long as they give us. <laughs> right, yeah. yeah. <laughs> I'm sure as a perfectionist, you'd probably want to keep tweaking yeah, it. Yeah, I mean, and that's, that's the thing. It's like, you know, with, um, with knots, it's such a it's such a big event. Like everything has, has, you know, has these really tough, hard deadlines. So once you turn it in, there's no real going back to tweak it. And there's things like after, you know, I'll turn in the design packet and like a week or two later, be like, oh man, I really wish I would have done this. But eh, okay, we'll, we'll keep that in mind for the next one. So next th that's always that's always present. But I guess to answer your question, I would say we probably develop and design a maze within, I'd say, within a three month window. Oh, wow. Take. Okay. Yeah. Wow. Have you ever walked through one of your mazes and, and had to like change things once you've actually like physically done it? Of course. Yeah. I think yeah. That, that, you know, things always translate different from on paper into reality uh, for a multitude of different reasons. There's always adjustments and tweaks that, that need to happen. Um, and um, sometimes it's because it needs to happen due to a structural reason, or sometimes it's, it's you know, this doesn't look the way I wanted it to. So if we change the angle of it, you know, it, it, it'll get us in the right place. So those, those kinds of uh, tweaks and changes are, are always present. What are you most looking forward to this year? I would say as a whole, I, you know, it's just, like I said, as, a, as, as Knots has been such a big part of my life for the last 20 years or so, uh, I it's just really awesome to be a part of such a huge milestone and, and to help celebrate um, such a, a big landmark for the for this event and for the industry as a whole. As we all know, it kind of all stems uh, back to Not Scary Farm. So it's pretty amazing to just be a part of it. Um, and then on a on an individual attraction, I'm really excited. There's lots of really fun like stuff that ties back to the history, right? The, the legacy store, yeah. uh, chilling chambers maze is all wrapped around the history of the event. But I will say, I'm really excited for the cinema slasher uh, attraction. Um, just the okay. way that one's, that just the way that one's translating from to design into reality. Uh, it, just, it seems to be, even though I've only seen it in its skeletal form at this point, I just, it just feels really good. And I think it's gonna translate into a really good attraction. Oh, I can't wait. Okay, this is a tough question. Sure. Your favorite maze that you've ever worked on and your favorite one that you were not working on. Mm. Like your favorite yeah. mazes that you've worked on and that were done by someone else. I think uh, I w I'm going to have to, s well, Infected was my first one, right? So that one, that one's always special place has a special heart. place. Yeah. But I would say um, Shadowlands uh, to me is probably my favorite maze I got to work on creatively because it was so different. It, you know, it took, it was all based around Japanese folklore. Um, so I really enjoyed like taking these deep dives into these, all these crazy, awesome ghost stories that has come out of uh, Japanese history and Japanese folklore. And then also just aesthetically, it was just such a different, um, design, uh, you know, architecture and aesthetic. It was just really fun to work on that. Nice. And what about one you haven't worked on? 
My favorite didn't maze that out. I didn't. Man, I don't know that that that's a know, harder, that's a that's a harder <laughs> one to me to answer. Um, maybe I would say either the Asylum or uh, Lore of the Vampire. Those are the two that, as a fan, I just I thought like Lore of the Vampire was just such a beautiful maze and it i mean the way it just felt like you're really living in this vampire world and then i remember the asylum was like i was scared to go in there you know it was like (laughs) just such a such a foreboding entrance where you're standing out front you're looking in you see the the strobe lights deep within the maze the fog coming out you could hear people screaming and i remember having this like anxiety about having to walk into this building and yeah that was just always a a really cool moment and it's something I, i i've learned from as well like so I, I put a, always put now I, because of that put a lot of focus on the the pre pre experience experience the queue lines oh. the facades all that stuff is trying to recapture that feeling of 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 uh, of something right you want you want you either want to cause fear or excitement or or intrigue whatever it may be you want to try and trigger some form of emotion before people even enter into the experience. Yes, we've definitely experienced that standing out in front of. I don't know about this. Exactly. (laughs) What's this one gonna be? Who's going first? I don't want to go first. (laughs) And now you know, uh, got to got to work on Origins as well, the the Curse of Calico, and that was one where we really, really took went deep into the queue experience. And really yeah. tried to tell that story before guests even got to enter and take advantage of that, as well as it had a couple scare actors. So the, the fact that we could educate the guests of what they're about to walk into so they know the place and time. They're also able to explain what their role is going into the maze, right? You're part of this angry mob going to hunt down um, the Green Witch and uh, scare them a few times before they even enter. Like I think that, that really added to that experience as, a, as an overall attraction. Is there ever a maze that you've worked on that just didn't quite work um at knots i've been luckily lucky that i feel like all the attractions i've done at knots have been successful to a degree so i don't know about at knots outside of knots yes really yes why you don't have to tell me where but like why what was the problem so i'll tell you the one so during COVID, when everything shut down, we were, our group was so determined to figure out something to do. Yes. And we thought, oh, and so we really like, really looked at our parameters and how can we put together something that's safe and exciting and fun and gets people out of the house and entertained and a little, just trying to inject, you know, a little bit of uh, familiarity and normalcy into people's lives. And so we we came up with the for, we did it with the LA Haunted Hayride the the drive up experience. Okay. If you're familiar with that or went to that? Mm-hmm. But we we were like, okay, we got something that works across the board. You know, we we met with safety advisors. Everybody was signed off on it. And we were so happy that we figured something out. And we thought, okay, people appreciate even though it's not what we're used to, people will appreciate being able to go and do something. And I was vastly incorrect on that one. <laughs> so that, so I would say to me, that was the biggest, like, oh man, like what happened? Like, I really misjudged this situation. So, you know. Well, how could you know unless you tried it? Well, exactly. I and I mean, and, the you know, ride is so fun and makes so much sense. <laughs> but yeah, maybe a drive through. I did a couple drive through like Christmas. Yeah. 
theme park events that year and yeah you know it, it, it was it, something it was like, oh look the coasters are right there yeah <laughs> like, i mean it was uh it was just uh it, you know looking back on the year it's such a mixed bag because it definitely got ripped apart in the in the reviews and people definitely were not happy with it it was an overall experience which like i said caught me off guard but the, on the flip side it's you know we we were able to get out and do something. We were able to create jobs in a time where people right. were struggling. So, you know, he, he, take it for what it is, you know, and and it was a, it was a, looking back, it was a positive experience to, to me and the people that we were working with. Uh, I guess it wasn't an overall positive experience for everyone, but uh, <laughs> whatever. It is on to the next. Listen, that was a very special and specific time yes. and where I'm sure people were just grateful in some ways to just be able, I know I was, to be <laughs> able to get out and do anything during that time that felt somewhat normal. So. Exactly. Yeah, no, I mean, it was nuts, right? I just remember one lady like like being like, I thought they were going to come into our cars with us. It's like, uh yeah, we can't well, do that. Look at what's happening in the world, but. Yeah, and no one wants to hit your car with yeah, your, their hands exactly. and get, you know. Uh, suit or anything. <laughs> right. Yeah. <laughs> because you've worked on dark rides before, uh, what's been? Do you have a? Do you have a favorite dark ride? The Haunted Mansion. I mean, of course, <laughs> that's just on uh, brand for you. <laughs> yes. Um, yeah. I mean, I, I mean, uh, yes. That that is definitely my number one. Um, you know, it's like it's so funny. So many other people in this industry can say the same thing, but it's like where me and my wife got engaged and. You know, oh we, no way! We, we made we went out of our way to make sure that was our son's first ride he ever went on. Oh, <laughs> like, that's so cool! So How, like, wait, did you get engaged like in the haunted mansion? Like, oh, what yeah. did you do? Yeah, I need in, to know this. Yes, in the <laughs> attic scene uh, is where I proposed to my wife, and literally as soon as I pulled the ring out, the ride broke down. You're oh, kidding! So I don't know. Oh, I don't know if it broke down or if somebody in the control booth saw what was happening and paused it for a minute or whatever. But it was oh. it was pretty awesome. So yeah, right. I'm gonna the, go with that. Right I hope bride. that that's the case. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but yes, no. I'm a huge. Like I, I love theme parks. I'm. I'll be honest. I'm not much of a roller coaster person, but I'm a huge, huge dark ride person. So yeah. I, I enjoy a good dark ride. Do you think that there's similar to like what makes a good dark ride and what makes a good maze? Do you think it's sort of the same thing? Yes and no. I mean, environmentally, yes. I think there's a lot. You know, we we learn a lot from from the dark ride world. Uh, obviously, our budgets aren't quite the same. Yeah. <laughs> but the but right. the approach of creating these these immersive environments and the way you're you're lighting things and you're directing people's attention uh, is probably all within the same world. And then. With a walkthrough attraction, you're adding in obviously the, the scare actors um, into that mix, and uh, but I think I think when it boils down to a, from a storytelling perspective, it's it's probably pretty similar. You know what we're doing in a maze is a lot closer to a dark ride than it is a lot closer to like a film or something like that. Right, it's about the story. Correct. That and, I think and, and creating a easily and quickly digestible story is, is yeah. the, that's the trick. Yeah. Is there anything else that you want people to know about Scary Farms 50th? I have one fun fact for you. Okay. Yeah. So, you know, we got we got contracted this year to develop, design, and we actually built and installed the Legacy Store at Knott's. So my team did that start to finish. Amazing. Uh, we worked closely with Ken Parks on, on developing that. But what we did after that is then we were tasked with developing a smaller version of that store for all nine other Cedar Fair parks. 
You're so, kidding. So if you have, oh my gosh. if you have any listeners uh, that aren't necessarily from Southern California, but they might be closer to Cedar Point or Kings Dominion or Carowinds or whatever it may yes. be, there is going to be a smaller version uh, that's taken, lifted straight from the design of the Not Scary Farm Legacy store and planted in all these other parks. Wait, but relating to their specific park? No. Or just in general. Well, okay. it's, yeah, it's, it's not, it's not, not scary farm specific, but it was lifted from that design. So what you'll see at Carowinds is the same architecture that was used for the legacy store at not scary farm. Amazing. That's so cool. Yeah, I had no fun. idea. So I leave, uh, I leave on Monday for my world tour of all Cedar fair parks. You're going to all of them? And all you're not of, a coaster of, fan? Oh, come on. Well, we're only at each park for one day. Oh, my off. gosh. So, oh, yeah, wow. we're, we're, doing, we're doing all the parks within just over two weeks. Just to sort of see how it all came out? or No, we're, we're, getting, we're installing the stores. Oh, you're putting it together. Yes, oh, we, wow. We, we, had all the, we had all the pieces built and shipped, and then they all should hopefully have arrived by now. And then we go out and we go to each park and set them up. Well, good luck. <laughs> that sounds like a lot of work and kind of stressful. I love it though. I I, I love uh, I love a little bit of chaos, so I'm excited for it. Any advice for anyone who would love a job like yours? I would say, like my, you know, coming from my my perspective, like go just start doing it wherever that may be, whether it's at one of the parks or independent haunted house or even a home haunt like just get involved and start learning the craft behind it because that's what that's the one thing i have noticed is you kind of have to get in there and really learn the nuts and bolts of a, of a haunted house to be to be able to put one together successfully and i think you can uh, you can you can look at different haunted houses and you could probably see a difference between one that was designed by somebody that comes from the world of haunted houses versus somebody that that doesn't so that's my biggest, I guess, thing that I always uh, express to people that, that want to get into this is just start getting in there and learning all the, the different components that go into it. Just do it. Just, do just it. get in there. Start yeah. learning. Be a self-starter. Starter like John Cook. Or I guess go to school and learn the proper way to do it. Whatever. Nice you know. Job and all that. But hey, who has time for that? <laughs> yes, we support education. Yes, yes, yes. definitely. Uh, John, are you on social media as Plague Productions, somewhere that everybody could follow? Plagueproductions.com, uh, that's a thing. Plague Productions is on Instagram at Plague Productions LA. And you are on Johnny X Plague. Yes. Yep. All right. <laughs> Great. We'll be sure to follow you. And we're definitely going to check out the Legacy Store and all of the exciting things you've been involved with. And I definitely won't look at them the same way. Uh, they'll definitely uh, I'll get to really have a more insight on what I'm seeing now besides just the scares. Yeah. So thank you so much for coming on and talking to me today. Yeah, no, thank you so much. And uh, happy Halloween. Happy Halloween! Just in time for Scary Farm 50, my next guest has released the hauntingly beautiful book, The History of Not Scary Farm. Everyone, please welcome Ted Doherty. Ted, how are you doing today? I'm doing great. I'm so happy to be here. Thank you so much for chatting with me today. So let's learn a little bit more about you. Where are you from? I'm from uh, Southern California, outside of the Los Angeles area. Oh, so you grew up here and you, you live here now as well? Yes. 
Oh, wonderful. So would you consider Knott's Berry Farm your home park? Is that your closest park? Um, yeah, that and, and, and Disneyland is it, both of those uh, parks are pretty close to me. So what got you into Knott's in the first place? Do you remember your first time going there? Well, yeah, I, 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 I went to Knott's Berry Farm uh, as, as a, a, a kid and, and enjoyed it and loved all the old rides. Some of them aren't uh, around anymore, but uh, but really loved gro- going to Knott's Berry Farm, kind of grew up with Knott's Berry Farm. And by the time I was uh, a young teenager, I discovered Knott's Scary Farm. So when was your first Knott's Scary Farm? My first year going to Knott's Scary Farm was way back in 1987. And you remember it. I could never forget it. Yeah, I, I kind of had heard about what Knott's Scary Farm was in general terms but did not really know too many details about it. But, you know, I, I, I grew up uh, being a fan of, of theme parks in general, of Disneyland and Knott's Berry Farm and Universal Studios, but and, 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 but I was also a, a Halloween fan of just the holiday. I just, you know, enjoyed decorating the house for Halloween and things like that. And uh, when I discovered Knott's Scary Farm, uh, it it kind of combined all of these different things that I was really into because I was also a horror movie fan. And uh-huh. so so uh, having all of these different elements and being kind of thrust into uh, almost kind of like your own horror movie of experiencing not scary from for the first time, it was really overwhelming. I, I was I was terrified, <laughs> terrified, but hooked. Yes. Uh, yeah, I, I braved go. I, I braved that first night. I remember ducking into one of the stores in the Ghost Town area, which is a midway area of Knott's Berry Farm. It's kind of the heart of of not only Knott's Berry Farm, but certainly Knott's Scary Farm. And and one of these monsters came up, sliding on all fours uh, toward my feet, and it just freaked me out. And I ran into one of the stores. <laughs> to hide and once I caught my breath I braved going into a couple of the attractions and it it was just it was just horrifying I was terrified but stuck with me I just remember the the following weeks after I just couldn't stop thinking about it and I have gone every single year since you've never missed a year I've never missed a year wow that's really cool and Do I have it right that you also worked for Knott's Berry Farm? Yeah. So what happened is, uh, so I went to Knott's Berry Farm every year religiously with my friends, and it was uh, it turned into a tradition, and and just really appreciated all of the uh, the the haunted houses we, we call them mazes over on the side of the country, but That's other right. folks <laughs> might call them haunted houses or haunted attractions. They're all the same thing. Uh, and so, uh, but in the in the early two thousands, uh, one of the friends who I uh, was going to not scary farm with all the time he became a a professional a web designer way back in the like the internet boom and there was not very much online about not scary farm at the time and and i had collected all my maps and took the photos of monsters and things and and i and i uh said to my friend hey you know what if we like kind of made like an unofficial website of of not scary farm and he thought it would be a great idea and so we did and it was named ultimate haunt 
www.thepeopleshow.com. And, and, and so it was uh, kind of turned into a resource. This was before Knott's Berry Farm did anything uh, substantial to, to their website for Scary Farm. This is way before social media, the way we know it now. And so we had message boards and, and, and started publishing uh, uh, history tidbits of Knott's Scary Farm because people from around the world were all of a sudden flooding to this website. And, and, and so I started learning more about the event or what it was like before. I started going because it did debut uh, in 1973 and so uh, so it had been around for a little bit before I discovered it and so I was kind of filling in all of these puzzle pieces on how the event grew uh, throughout the years and this website got pretty popular and um, and it was really fun but through that uh, I had met uh, management of Knott's Berry Farm because I always wanted to work not scary farm as one of the monsters, but uh, they would always uh, publish uh, articles in the in the Times and the Orange County Register about all the the nutty things they'd make people do to audition. Yeah. to be one of these monsters and i i was a music major in college and so uh i, I was uh, you know familiar with the world of of the performance arts but certainly not like an actor like i actually even took an elective uh, uh at, at like a beginning improv class to try to like get the chops on what i think it would take to uh uh, audition successfully for Not Scary Farm, and I, I dropped out of that class after oh, the no. first day. I, it wasn't my thing. Uh, but fast forward uh, many years later, when we had this website, became uh, friendly with the management, found out that they had uh, temporarily uh, did away with their auditions because so many people were returning year after year uh, to to work these positions as the as the the monsters. And so uh, that's when I got in, and I know this is kind of a long-winded answer, but uh, but that's how I, I became a monster at Not Scary Farm. Uh, my first year was way back in 2001, and uh, you know I crossed the veil and 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 became one of the uh, the, the the characters that started dishing out uh, the, the nightmares to all the thousands of folks, and I loved every single second of it. Oh my gosh, I have so many questions. Okay, but first I have to go back to this ultimatehaunt.com. What happened there? Did you ever get like a cease and desist from Nuts or did they love it? Like <laughs> Oh, so so technically speaking the website the, the website still exists after almost, you know, 23 years, 24 years later. Uh so yeah, though no, they embraced it uh because it got so much uh traffic because yeah. we had these uh well, they're kind of obsolete nowadays, but we had uh, what we called uh, message boards. Yeah. Uh, and so uh, so fans from around the world could communicate uh, with one another about their favorite Halloween event on, on through this website. And they could also communicate with the monsters because the monsters were in character and so it was kind of like it was like uh (laughs) an early form of of interactivity because what would happen is these uh fans could interact with their their favorite monsters like in the off season through ultimatehaunt.com and then go see them live and in person uh during the event and so uh so knots embraced it Uh, they uh, hosted a sponsored contest where people could become a monster for a night uh and, and things like that and and so uh, no, that that built uh, it, it. Kind of was the foundation for uh, the, the the positive relationship that I still have to this day with Knott's Berry Farm. 
That is incredible. That's sort of reminding me of like, you know, now on Twitter, how like you could sort of talk to a character, you know, in character, like that kind of thing. It was, y'all were ahead of your time. So you became a monster yourself. Can you, can you tell me who, what your monster was or is that? Yeah, yeah. So, so the first two seasons I worked there, it was in a now defunct uh, scare zone uh, named The Swamp. So this, a scare zone is, is, uh, a scare zone's like a the, like an open midway portion of of one of these theme parks that like are rethemed, yeah, mm-hmm. uh, as opposed to the tight confines of a haunted house or a maze. And so this was like an open midway area, uh, the, the the swamp that was kind of uh, 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 lined the Reflection Lake, which is a little lake that isn't really there as much anymore. But uh, the characters were like these amphibian kind of monsters that were. Uh, that crawled from that lake and so but there were there's these researchers and undead scientists uh, who uh, were researching these amphibian characters so I was one of the undead scientists uh, and so so it was a lot of fun but that's where I also learned how to uh, slide and so sliding is a scare tactic that was uh, created and invented at Knott's uh, Scary Farm back in the mid 1980s and the monsters uh, wear the specialized knee pads and gloves and uh, the, uh, specialized shoes on the outside of their costumes and they slide at the ground toward the guests feet and it's a scare tactic that's now used at Halloween events around the world but it started at Knott's uh, and so so uh, for me to finally uh, become one of those sliding monsters it, it, it was it was a big thrill because you have to go through like a training and testing certification process. But then after the swamp, uh, I moved over to the ghost town scare zone, which is where I ultimately wanted to be. That's the granddaddy of all scare zones yeah. uh, in, in the world. And to this so, day, yeah. yeah. And so, uh, so I was an undead werewolf from 1885 named Rage the Werewolf. And so, uh, as as a young horror movie fan, my favorite monsters were always werewolves. So to become a sliding werewolf at Not Scary Farm in Ghost Town, uh, that was kind of the ultimate for me. So, so I was able to be a monster uh, uh, for for ten years at uh, ten seasons there, and uh, ultimately got more involved with the management and, and, and like training the monsters eventually. And uh, well, that ultimately led to to more of the creative things that I do nowadays. But 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 like I said, I, I love every single second of uh, of my time as a monster at Not Scary Fun seeing it from the other perspective like you said pulling back the veil did that even open up your appreciation for it that much more or did it kind of take away from it for you yeah that's a good question so uh, i was afraid uh that you know maybe would the magic be ruined if uh if i kind of saw you know, behind that curtain. Uh, but no, I, I, I fell even more deeply in love with it in a different way, uh, but I, I'm still a fan, so I still go and, and appreciate uh, the event as it is, uh, but uh, working as a monster gave me a new kind of almost rejuvenated uh, passion for uh, the event on, on a different scale. Uh, but, but yeah, I, 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 it didn't ruin any of the magic, thankfully. Oh, good. Yes. <laughs> it seems like it didn't. No. <laughs> I'm reading the rest of your rest. Can, so, um, so then now, what can you tell everybody what what you do, what your 
Title yeah, so yeah. now I'm a writer, producer, and director for large-scale Halloween events and attractions at theme parks, which allows me to work with companies like Knott's and Scary Farm. And so now I create the 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 nightmares behind Knott's Scary Farm. And so we create the the mazes and the scare zones for not just Knott's Scary Farm, for, but for other events uh, at uh, uh, other theme parks. And so, uh, so yeah, so now uh, I conceptualize uh, and help conceptualize uh, the the, the, the different worlds that we create, that we put the, the place the guests in uh, for, for uh, the, their, their nightmares to be made every season. And so uh, now uh, it, it's, it's even deeper of, of an involvement with the event and, uh, and I still love it after all these years. Oh, clearly. <laughs> I mean, you came to it from, truthfully, you know, the ground up. So from the fan side all the way, yeah. you've, you've seen it from every angle. So now we've got to talk about your book. Yeah. Um, so you wrote a book that was a picture history book in 2012, Nantes Halloween Haunt. Um, which is really the first edition of this new book that came about this year, is my understanding. So how, how did that come about? So uh, I mentioned I had this website, ultimatehaunt.com, and throughout the years we had published interviews and uh, history tidbits on the website. And in the uh, sort of like mid to late 2000s, uh, there were rumors that Cedar Fair might be selling Knott's Berry Farm. And uh, Cedar Fair is the parent company of yep. Knott's Berry Farm. Mm -hmm. And so we thought, oh my gosh, what would happen if somebody bought Knott's? What would they do to it? What would happen to my beloved uh, Knott's Scary Farm? And right. so, uh, well, thankfully, not they didn't sell Knott's. But, uh, <laughs> but at that time, it was like, okay, you know, Maybe is now's the time to try to start documenting um, some more of this history. So I worked as an associate producer on a documentary that was made of, of Not Scary Farm that was released in 2004 named Season of Screams. And, and so we were able to uh, document a lot of, uh, of uh, the, the history of the event. But even still, several years later, there was a lot of missing puzzle pieces as to truly how this event became uh, the, 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 the world's largest and scariest Halloween party. And so, uh, so when the rumors came around that maybe not to be sold, it was like, okay, maybe I need to buckle down and really research this. And, and so I started uh, conducting even more interviews and really tracking down people who creators, employees from the past, really trying to document as much as I could. And I realized, you know, this is not all going to fit on a website. And so maybe I should take this a little bit more seriously to the next level and actually uh, document this into a book. And so, uh, so that's what we did. And so that book was released in conjunction with the 40th anniversary of Not Scary Farm in 2012. And, uh, and it was like over 80 interviews of from past employees thousands of photos spent hours on end going through like microfilm and stuff at oh at, 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 at local <laughs> libraries and colleges to find anybody in anything it was it's just like a lot of heavy duty research and and a lot of uh help from Knott's Berry from uh, themselves because the reason there was so much research involved is Knott's Berry Farm did not 
keep a lot of their archives of scary form in the early days because it was just a seasonal event that just happened a few days. Now, it was a big deal and it was a, success, a successful event from the very beginning, but they just didn't think to, 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 to hold on to any of those archives. Mm -hmm. And so I had to basically go in there and, and, and recreate them. And so, uh, so, th so that book came out, and and, and uh, it, it was a lot of fun and, and well received. And uh, through one of the the headliners in Not Scary Firm's history was a uh, is a great magician named Ed Alonzo. And so Ed Alonzo is uh, one of his best friends is Neil Patrick Harris. I was just going to ask. There's yes. a foreword by Neil Patrick Harris. Yes. And so Neil Patrick Harris is a big fan of Not Scary Farm and good friends with Ed Alonzo. And so uh, Neil Patrick Harris uh, graciously wrote the foreword uh, for the, the book. And so and so it was there and it was sold at Not Scary Farm uh, for several years. And then after a while, you know, it just kind of... Uh, didn't really fade away it just was kind of there but uh you know we knew that we had the 50th anniversary coming up and so uh there's a lot that has taken place over the last decade at not scary farm a lot of uh innovations and, and growth and so uh we thought well what if we add a whole new chapter and let's revise the first edition and try to fix some of the typos that drove me nuts that we missed <laughs> uh, things like that and then also there were uh more people that i uh discovered and connected with and and more photos that uh covered the first portions of the book and so we we're able to update all of it and then bring it up to date uh, all the way up uh to the 50th and and so that is uh the, how the 50th anniversary edition of this book uh came to be that's amazing. And it's really beautiful and available. Uh, where can people buy it? At Knott's, obviously. Yeah, it's at Knott's Berry Farm right now. We just created a, 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 a legacy store that's like a tribute store and museum uh, that's special for the 50th anniversary. It's fully immersive, fully themed, uh, and, and it's open during the days. Uh, and then at nighttime, it will be open during Not Scary Farm. Uh, so it's a beautiful environment. A beautiful but scary uh, creepy environment but the book is sold there uh, and uh, will be available at knots uh, throughout the entire season and probably uh, beyond that so to you what makes knots and the history behind it like why 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 should we care like to somebody who's not from southern california if you're here and you've been there you get it mm -hmm. <laughs> but can you explain it to someone who's maybe listening in uh europe we have ace europe members why is this so special sure well in europe you have thorpe park you have uh alton towers that do large-scale halloween events uh every single halloween theme park event traces their roots back to Not Scary Farm. Not Scary Farm is the first large-scale Halloween event uh, in the world at a theme park, and so all others go back to Not. So it doesn't matter if we're talking about Universal Studios Halloween Horror Nights, Busch Gardens Howl Scream, uh, events, uh, Six Flags Fright Fest, uh, events globally uh, at theme parks, if they host some sort of Halloween-related event, they should care about Not Scary Farm because they are directly related to it. Uh, and so, uh, yeah, so it, 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 it is a 
big, big deal. Uh, over 80% of all theme parks uh, globally host some sort of Halloween-related event. And, oh, and I feel like it's got to be more than that now. It could I be mean, more than that, yeah. Time, you know, and I, and like I think some of them are probably more like fall. Some of them can be more like fall and autumn-related and certainly uh, family-friendly. Uh, so, and, and, But they all, in one way or another, can trace back to Knott's Scary Farm. And so uh, since Knott's was the first to do this and, and is now the longest running to do it, uh, you know, they uh, have been able to establish innovations and uh, inventions that now are part of the industry. And so I think to me, it's really fascinating and that that you could see when we have haunted houses at these other events or whatever, and you could see various scare tactics and you're like, oh, that's something that it was derived at not Scary Farm many years ago or recently or whatever so it all kind of ties back to one another and so at least to me that's why I would think that folks would be interested and care about that I'll say that I think that there I like what you said about them innovating and being part of that you know I feel like many of these events you know I've tried to come up with different ways and you know whether it's people coming from the ceiling or whatever but even last year two years or when was that last year with the um like making it sort of like an escape room with the uh and the the laser guns and things like that i feel like not scary farm has not just rested on their their laurels and said like this is it this is what we do like they're still coming out with new and exciting things and i'm excited for this year <laughs> i don't know what to expect <laughs> yeah no so so I, I agree with you. And so that's the one thing that I think is 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 one of the great things about Not Scary Farm is they have not been afraid to to uh, take risks. And so uh, a, a handful of years ago, and this is something that's really kind of started within the last decade, is uh, taking uh, interactivity and implementing that on a larger scale. And so uh, in the early two, uh, 2010s, uh, they in, uh, they introduced a, an attraction named Trapped that was kind of like an earlier version of an escape room mixed with immersive theater, and it was an upcharge uh, attraction and very low throughput, but uh, really well received. And that opened the door to other variations of interactivity at Not Scary Farm. Uh, things like their skeleton key rooms, which were uh, more story-driven uh, interactions and interactivity, uh, immersive theater elements that would introduce the mazes uh, for uh, uh, folks for an additional upcharge. So they've done things like that, but a lot of that ultimately led to a, a big attraction named Special Ops Infected, uh, which uh, took over the entire six-acre portion initially of the Camp Snoopy area. They cut wow. that area from uh, guest traffic and turned it into a massive zombie apocalypse where we uh, <laughs> had to use uh, laser blasters, infrared laser guns, uh, to shoot at uh, uh, hordes of zombies. And ultimately, that went to more of a traditional maze uh, format. Uh, but yeah, I mean... All of a sudden, it was no longer simply the, mat, uh, the the passive maze experience where we walk from one scene to the next with monsters popping out at us. Now we actually had to uh, make decisions at, and, and, and interact with the characters on a much uh, different and, and bigger scale. And so that those are a couple great examples of how Not Scary Farm has really kind of tried to, to push the envelope uh, to entertain their, their, their guests. 
what do you think makes a good haunt event? Oh gosh, that's a good question. At least for me, if it's if it's gonna be a scary event, it's 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 usually coming coming down to the monsters. If we've got good monsters, good scare actors that can engage the guests and, and frighten the guests and interact with the guests and really entertain them, I think that's kind of where it starts. Because I think you could have the best designs in the world and the best theming in the world and all of that stuff, but without the right actors, uh, you know, it, it could fall a little flat. And so one thing that I, I really think great about Not Scary Farm is throughout the years, then they've been able to kind of hand the, the, their, their scare tactics uh, down from one generation to the next. And so by the time I got involved being a monster there, there were veterans that were showing me the ropes on how to engage the guests in, a, in an effective manner. And so I did the same uh, for folks uh, that were coming in after me. And that's what we do nowadays. And so if we're uh, directing the live cast uh, on how to engage and entertain the guests, we're being able to pull from 50 years of experience uh, right. to really help uh, bring out the best in our uh, characters. And I, I think that to me is kind of where it starts. And then of course, all the bells and whistles of great theming and storytelling uh, is, is uh, kind of all falls into line after that. That's funny you say that, because I, I, as I'm thinking about it now, when people leave an event or they tell someone how it was is usually the story that they remember is the one like really good scare that they got from a character it's you know what i mean like sure they might be like oh i went in this one house and it was called the depths and it looked like we were underwater and that was real i mean you know a, a cool effect like that but oh i was just walking and suddenly you know oh my gosh and they had this and they came up to me and they followed me or you know so i i think you're right i think and i, I love hearing that as a as a former character myself <laughs> i was this character for one season in orlando but that's another story for another oh, day wow see you get it <laughs> so you're, you're speaking to my former character heart uh yeah. so as a as a not scary farm historian um do you have a favorite maze of all time oh uh yeah, I mean, oh, I think I, 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 <laughs> it's couple. it's hard to tell. Like, as a fan, I think I had my favorites, but now that now that I help create them, uh, now they're almost kind of like my kids. Your so babies, it's kinda, sure. Yeah. Which ones have you helped create? Uh, well, uh, a handful of them. Uh, but uh, the the first biggie was one that uh, that I uh, co-wrote with with John Cook, uh, and and worked closely with Ken Parks, uh, and and so. Uh, uh, it was Origins, The Curse of yes. Calico, that debuted in 2019. And what that was, that story was uh, originally written as a fantasy story on my website, on ultimatehunt.com, 20 years ago. And what? it was a fantasy story about the backstory of the ghost town scare zone. Why were these monsters here? What brought these monsters here? Why do they exist? How do they exist in that world? And so that was just kind of this unofficial folklore that existed uh, on ultimatehaunt.com for, for years. That's and then, so cool. Yeah, then eventually it was like, okay, well, hey, is there a way maybe we could try to make this a, an official story? And 
Can we do it maybe in the telling of an attraction, a maze? And so that's what Origins, The Curse of Calico is. It's the backstory on how the, the, the ghost town monsters came to exist. And so it's taking that uh, unofficial folklore and mix that with uh, some content found in one of the most famous uh, uh, shows in Not Scary Farms history named The Hanging. And we combined all of those elements into this uh, really cool maze that I, I think we were all very, very proud of. Yeah, and, and so, it's still there to this day. And it's in fact, still there. at the Nightmares Revealed event, I get to go through it with the lights on. And I have yes. to tell you, even with the lights on, that maze is still terrifying. <laughs> yes, I <laughs> with love it. the lights it on and... and no characters, it was still terrifying and fascinating. Just the way that you, uh, your your eyes are drawn to a certain way. It just gave me a whole new appreciation for sure. Oh, I love hearing that because, you know, we put in so many various Easter eggs as well as just to having the core story on how to uh, tell this in, in, a, in a, a compelling way so the masses could comprehend and understand uh, this story because it was it's kind of a interesting story on, on how these ghost town monsters came to be. And so we wanted to ensure that that uh, narrative was easily digestible for everybody. But then we also threw in all these various details, these Easter eggs that are there uh, it, within the scenic, within the design. So I'm, I'm happy to hear that you're able to, to see some of that stuff uh, uh, during the, the Lights On tour. Yeah, I felt so fortunate to get that opportunity for sure. Uh, and I look forward to going on it and uh, going through it again <laughs> with yes. the lights off and with the characters in place. <laughs> yes. It's long. That's a long maze. So anyway, <laughs> uh, what other, what any other throw out some other maybe that that some other favorites throughout the years oh throughout the years yeah so some of the main classics uh that uh you know, that longtime Not Scary Farm fans would know would be like Dominion of the Dead. That was back in the mid-1990s, and that was really kind of in the in the, the the middle of the popularity of like all the Anne Rice, like Interview with the Vampire movies coming out mm -hmm. in her books and everything. So this was like a, a gothic vampire uh, a, a maze that was extremely well-received uh, and, and uh, just a, a fan favorite. So that certainly sticks out. Uh, one of my earlier favorites was an old maze named Revenge of the Dead. And this was way before, uh, you know, the Walking Dead craze and all that stuff. But it was uh, the various uh, uh, zombies through uh, different eras of time. And so there was like war zombies from like World War II and pirate zombies and uh, and mobster zombies from the roaring 20s and stuff so that was a really cool maze and, and really long and so really enjoyed that and then um later on there was an, another one called timothy l Erie's time machine and it was uh the first time and pretty much the only time that they allowed you to choose your own path you could tune cool. in tune out or drop out and and so one uh path was kind of like a psychedelic uh drug-induced type of weird theme <laughs> another was like a vietnam like war scene and so it was pretty intense but uh but it was just neat to be able to have that 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 um choice 
to go which path you wanted to. And so those were some of the earlier ones and some of the later ones, Paranormal Incorporated is one of the, the best mazes, yeah. I think, Not Scary Form has ever produced. And we talked about Special Ops Infected of incorporating the laser guns and stuff. So so uh, you know, the event is built around outdoing itself every season so it's really kind of hard to say you know look back in time you have your stylistic favorites but the event is designed now to to really have the best coming out now right and what i love about looking back at the history and why i think your book is so exciting is because i feel like if you look at every year and what was the mazes for that year or what were the themes that kind of thing it's kind of what we like you were saying like as a society like the pop culture you know what i mean like you can sort of look and be like oh that's when everybody was obsessed with Anne rice and vampires <laughs> and oh and the walking dead craze and so we had more zombies and things and you can just sort of like see over the years of like what scares people and you know there's some things that i think will always be scary uh but that's kind of what i love about looking at the history is just seeing through the years of like what people were were afraid of whether it was like those classic monsters or now having to you know being in ugh, so many apocalypse things i wonder why like <laughs> <laughs> exactly yes i am so excited for this event this year I also would love to uh, find out if there is a way that our listeners could connect with you. Do you have social media? Yeah, well, my social media is at Ultimate Haunt on Instagram. Uh, that's pretty much what I'm on. I mean, if you're in the industry, you can, I guess, you can add me to LinkedIn. But pretty much uh, Instagram is, is where I'm at, at Ultimate Haunt. Nice. Oh, I'm like following you right now. Yeah, cool. <laughs> <laughs> and I want to see this old website. I'm going to have to take a look at this for yes. sure. I haven't updated it in a really long time. So now it's its own sort of archival piece of history. It's its own little piece of not scary farm history. Yes. <laughs> we love that over here. Well, the history of not scary farm will be on sale exclusively at Knott's Berry Farm. It might eventually be online at marketplace.knots.com is my understanding but that is uh but you got to show up to not scary farm and and check out this gorgeous book and ted thank you so much for talking to us today uh congratulations on everything this is just so great and i'm looking forward to this year thank you so so much it's been my pleasure and, and happy halloween now I'm here with my friend, Chris Doe. Chris, oh, it's great to see you again. Nice to see you again, too. Chris is the producer of Not Scary Farm this year, one of the producers. One of the producers, yes. How's it going so far? It is going great. Uh, we're very excited. The teams have been so, working so hard to bring the 50th to life. We've been talking about the 50th for years now, and it's finally here, and I'm very excited for I it. I can't believe it's been 50 years of Not Scary Farm. There's so much to look back on. Yeah. And so how do you even start preparing for this year? I'll tell you, uh, the 50th anniversary of paying homage to so many different things that we've had in the past. One of my favorite things is getting all these amazing designers, creatives uh, from all over the map who've worked on Scary Farm in a room to say, what do we want to do this year? And to hear everybody's favorite, like, we want to do this, we want to do this, we want to do this. And to be able to sit there and hear all of the rich history and know, oh my goodness, we're going to bring this to life. Yeah. That is so rewarding and it is a very fun room to be in. So just like an overview of everything that everybody can expect. Got it. Let's go. All right. 10 mazes. Seven of them returning. Three brand new mazes. Yes. We have Cinema Slasher. That looks so really cool Very as a movie exciting. fan. Yes. So the cool thing about that, 
you get to be a movie fan, you get to enjoy these classic slasher films, you know, whether it be, you know, in the fraternity sorority house, you're in the boathouse and things like that, but we're also paying homage to previous mazes that we have in that as well. Nice. We have room 13. We get to see the kind of the origin story. We get to see where uh, the Devil's Elixir uh, has come from. The beautiful Argive Hotel, uh, this wonderful Art Deco, beautiful hotel. You've been told not to go into room 13. So what are you going to do? Go no, into room 13. But there's something specific I really want to ask you about. Yes. I saw in like the package video that mm -hmm. there might be some sort of nod to the blind tiger, which has been a mystery here at Knott's Ferry Farm for so long. Are we going to know a little bit more about what blind tiger, this club that is in blind, is in Knott's Ferry Farm? So for the first time ever, you're gonna get to go, you're getting to go into the blind tiger, you get to see the blind tiger. If you saw our announcement video that we did two years ago, you might get to see that scene happen in real life. That is incredible because I. I have been trying to get into that club. That is harder than Club 33. That is harder than Soho House. That is the number one ticket Got it. here. And I'm finally going to go in. I look forward to, to having you there. You're going to enjoy it. Just don't drink too much of the Delphi's Elixir, but nothing bad can happen if you do. So. All right, good. Hot tips, hot tips. And? And then, of course, Chilling Chambers. Uh, that is the one that you know we talked about all these all these mazes which ones that we want to feature we're able to pay homage to all the mazes that we've had in the past but of course what it will look like for the 50th anniversary so that is our three brand new mazes over in the scare zones we have our all of our returning scare zones but of course we have a returning favorite the gauntlets uh it's going to be the happening gauntlet. over the gauntlets yes everybody the cheers that happened <laughs> oh my gosh when everybody heard the gauntlet was yeah. coming back why do you think it's so beloved uh, everybody's loved it right it's one of our beloved scare zones that we have so many fans of it of course you know there was a slider show that occurred you may see that again this year <laughs> as well uh the wonderful talents of our monsters so it's just a really wonderful scare zone that we have returning this year very yeah. cool and then of course the entertainment uh, of course, the shows, right? We have the Return of Carnival New Grotesque World with the Calico Mind Stage. So uh, I'll tell you every year, uh, well, I mean, last year, every night I watch and I know what's going to happen by so, <gasps> so I have that moment as I watch that. And I, I am confident this year I will be feeling the same. For those who haven't seen it, it's really incredible acrobatic performances like you've just never seen before. Death defying stunts. Yes. They're happening so close yes. to you. Really cool. And then, of course, we have the Return of Dr. Cleaver after many years over the Cage Theater. And then brand new this year, we have Music Monsters and Mayhem over at the Walter Knopf Theater. We're paying a musical tribute to all things Not Scary Farm for mazes, scare zones, and things like that, whether it be comedy, dance. Uh, it, it is such a great fun show that we'll have with the Walter Knopf Theater. I love that. And of course, last but certainly not least, we have the return of the hanging over the wagon camp. The hanging. A rope dropped down and everybody cheered. <laughs> and I have to admit, I don't know what this is. I think that th I, this was before my time. Got it. So is this a little, I'm hearing it's irreverent and it's kind of... yeah. What, what can you describe so, uh, it? it is uh it's kind of a review of the past year of all the things that have happened uh we poke fun at it uh we uh tell a story we find the the, the who uh is the worst of the year and uh oh, no. we uh and we hang them you know something happens to we them, murder them? Well, something happens to them okay so there's only one way to find out you gotta go to wagon camp you're gonna see uh, the hang uncanceled this year after years of hiatus it's coming back i love that it's a wagon camp mm -hmm. where you normally see crazy Kurt. Yes. it's a great venue yeah. and that fits pl plenty of people you can yeah. sit in a covered wagon and yes it's great enjoy yourself a blood bag and then uh, watch the hanging yeah are the coasters gonna be open 
Yes, of course. All, okay, all of our wonderful rides will be open. You'll be able to enjoy all of our attractions. It's hard because when you come, there's so many things you want to do. Do you want to go on a roller coaster? Do you want to go through one of the mains? Do you want to go through one of the scared zones? Do you want to watch a show? There's so much to do. Or, or if you're like me, I want to get myself a blood bath or drink all the food <laughs> and beverage good. The entertainment's good. Everything is good. Oh, yeah. I had one of those black margaritas with oh, yeah. the black salt around the rim. Oh. Highly recommend. I have not get. had it yet, but I look mm -hmm. forward to trying it. I saw the raspberry beignets. They look absolutely delicious with a little center and whatever. Yeah. So, but I think that that's why you've got to plan on coming multiple nights. Yes. You, you got to get yourself to see uh, <laughs> what the season pass for Not Scary Friend. I'm going to come a couple times and um, see people in the fog and see the food in the fog. See everything. It's a good time. I cannot wait. September 21st, everybody, is when Not Scary Farm starts. You can already get your tickets, I believe. You can get your tickets already, yeah. Oh my gosh. Get yourself a season pass. We'll see you in the fog, everybody. I am here with Casey Gussler. He is the show director, choreographer, writer of music of Monsters and Mayhem. Wait, of Music, music Monsters, Monsters and, and Mayhem. Mayhem. That is the name of the show that we are all so excited about. That is going to be, am I right, on the, the Walter Knott stage? Uh, the Walter Knott Theater. The Walter yeah, Knott Theater. The 2000C Theater that we have. That's yes. amazing. And I heard it's a big cast, right? 24. 24 wow. singers and dancers and comedians. So yeah. this is a musical? It is a musical. It's a scary musical. A scary yeah. musical. I uh, think uh, a scary uh, Las Vegas review burlesque type show. Oh, so yeah. maybe kind of sexy? Very sexy. Okay, yeah. we always like yeah. that. Mm -hmm. You know, sometimes Scary Farm is a date night. So <laughs> yeah. we, all, we all like that sort of thing. So tell me a little mm. bit about your background. My background. Well, um, I've been, uh, I'm a musical theater guy. I've been in it since I was a tyke. I started dancing when I was seven. Oh, wow. Uh, I've uh, worked in Vegas. Uh, I've worked on Broadway, um, national tours, cruise ships, theme parks, and all of that brought me to Knott's Ferry Farm. And how long have you been with Knott's? Uh, seven years. Seven yeah. years. And what some? What are some of the other things the you've done shows, with The other shows, uh, let's see, the Elvira show. Amazing. Yeah, back in 2017. Whoa. Yeah, our last show. Um, Home for the Holidays, one of our Christmas shows. That our, was so good. Yeah. And another big cast. Big cast, yeah. That's 24, 25, I think. We loved that yeah. show. Yeah. Um, uh, the Cameo Kate show in the Birdcage this oh. summer. Hey, yeah, small show uh, I was responsible for all the entertainment content in Fiesta Village this summer well you did a great so job thank that you. was amazing that, that really was a wonderful. was a challenging project but it, it really paid off I was very proud of that and so now what's like the thought behind this show what's the inspiration yeah so the inspiration was when they came to me and they said we want you to write us a musical um, and I said well all right well let me think about it so I got into the archives and I got a list of every single maze that they have uh, had for the past 50 years. And I know I started noticing that they're like kind of, I put them into clumps of, well, they've done some uh, doll or toy mazes, oh, yeah. lots of those. They've done some uh, voodoo type mazes. They've done some uh, London or Jack the Ripper uh, type of uh, mazes. And uh, so what I did was I found uh, what could I could musicalize the easiest. Okay. Yeah. How do I get singing and dancing <laughs> yeah. into all of this? And well, you know, you've seen Sweeney Todd. Exactly. So they're scary. So uh, that's what I did. I put those together, came up with six different scenes. Uh, musical numbers and then we have we'll have a host that will be paying homage to our different hosts throughout the years starting with uh seymour vincent uh going into wolfman jack and uh of course elvira of course so, yeah, i yeah. mean she's a legend she is a legend i did what was I, that like <laughs> lovely i love cassandra is a wonderful wonderful uh, uh performer entertainer and and person so i really love working with her is there an age limit for the show? There is not an say. age limit, okay. but uh, it is it is a sexy 
show. Mm-hmm. Um, again, I would say that um, it pushes the line. Uh, oh. it, you know, there's there's um, uh, we had a lot of body humor in Puppet Up last year for the yes. past three years. Oh, that was really so funny. yes. So think that and musicalize it. All right. Yeah, yeah. I love this. Yeah. I'm so excited for it. It should be very exciting. It's a huge uh, musical spectacular. Uh, complete costumes for every musical number. Uh, we go ve- a lot of different places. As you see, there is a Jack the Ripper number, a voodoo number, Ooh. a Calico, uh, a tribute to Calico. Of course. Um, and uh, the Doll Calico Factory. Yeah, oh, yes. Everything Calico. Yes, and the Doll <laughs> Factory, um, uh, which the, the we have our dolls coming out of uh, coffin presents. Oh, okay. And so it's a pretty macabre, you know. Okay. Yeah, so it's fun. Uh, you know, uh, most musical theaters, it, you don't do scary. Right. So this is, uh, you know, a chance for me to kind of spread my wings and a little stretch. Yeah. To find, you know, how do do I, how do I do scary and musical? What's your favorite part of your job? Uh, The creation of Mm -hmm. it. Yeah. I mean, I love, I I love directing. I love working with actors and dancers. And that was my background as started as a dancer. Uh, But I love the creation. I love when they come to me and just kind of give me, they give me an idea and it's an open slate, you know, a a blank piece of paper that I get to just kind of, start creating and that's what i've been doing since i was a little boy you know in third grade i was you know writing musicals so now i get to do it you know for a job you know for a living such a great place absolutely for a really exciting year besides your show Mm -hmm. what are you the most excited for for knots 50th uh let me think uh you know the room 13 that maze that looks really it looks really good i love all things 20s 30s 40s i'm i'm kind of an old soul so going through that it looks like a beautiful maze well i heard chris doe in the package to say something about blind tiger Mm -hmm. also being involved and blind tiger has always been a mystery to me and right outside the walter knott theater and so i'm excited to see what we've decided to put as true story for what well you're you're going to get a background of that so yeah it's just uh, from the concept drawings. I'm super, super excited about. And then, of course, my show. I'm, I'm thrilled. I'm, I, I can't wait for the audiences to come in and see this. It's going to be very different and uh, and exciting. Yeah. Thank you so much for taking the time what to a talk pleasure. to me today. Yeah. I cannot wait to see everybody come to Mount Scary Farm and see music, monsters, and mayhem from Casey Gussler and everyone at Mount Scary Farm. And now to round out my coverage for you. As I mentioned at the top of the episode, I also met with Knott's buyer and product developer. Her name is Maria Tetley. But what you really want to do is see all of the merch, especially the pins, that spirit jersey, and the one that everyone's talking about, the first ever Knott's Lounge Fly for Scary Farms 50th. So go ahead and check our episode show notes for a link to that YouTube video that we have posted on Ace's YouTube. From hearing from the corporate director of creative development at Cedar Fair to hearing from a Scary Farm super fan, I think it's clear that this is more than just an event to a lot of people. Scary Farm opens September 21st and runs through October 31st. And if you're listening to this in September 2023, Ace is having an informal event at Scary Farm on the 24th. So make sure you check out ridewithace.com events to find out how to meet up with other acers we're getting early entry y'all and if you're not a member of ace what are you waiting for 
Ace is everywhere you consume your social media on Facebook, Twitter, Threads, Pinterest, LinkedIn. Make sure you're subscribed to Ace's pages on YouTube, Instagram, TikTok, and Discord. Follow us everywhere to stay on top of all of the Halloween event news coming out and to hear what your membership has to offer. If you haven't already, please subscribe to the podcast and give us five stars if you can, rate and review. And if you have any questions, comments, or podcast episode pitches for us, please reach out to podcast at aceonline.org. Thanks for listening. I hope you get to go to an exciting Halloween event today. Ride With Us is produced by the American Coaster Enthusiasts, a registered 501c3 organization. Visit aceonline.org for additional information and we will see you at the parks.